Boasting is also foolish. But let me, Paul, go on. Let me tell about the visions and revelations I received from the Lord. I was caught up into the third heaven fourteen years ago. Whether my body was there or just my spirit, I don't know. Only God knows. But I do know that I was caught up into paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be told. That experience is something worth boasting about, but I am not going to do it. I am going to boast only about my weaknesses. I have plenty to boast about, and would be no fool in doing it, because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it. I don't want anyone to think more highly of me than what they can actually see in my life and my message, even though I have received wonderful revelations from God. But to keep me from getting puffed up, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from getting proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My gracious favor is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may work through me. Since I know it is all for Christ's good, I am quite content with my weaknesses and with insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, let's talk about this for a moment, because there's something that's that's been bothering me in the last year or so with the uprise of so much good theology and people taking true conversion seriously. I think there's also a problem. I have so many people who come to me and they doubt the assurance of their salvation because in their scrutiny of their own repentance, they're expecting They're almost demanding that the saving repentance be the repentance of a mature believer of 30 years. They scrutinize every aspect of their life, and if they don't look like a Puritan, they say, I can't be converted. What you need to understand is repentance in its initial seed is simply a changing of the mind. God is all. I need Him. You say, that's it? Can be. I can't save myself. I'm lost. I need a Savior. You say, well, but, but the Bible describes repentance in so many ways. Yes, it does. But are you expecting a full-blown repentance the very second God begins to work in your heart? As I study repentance in Scripture, I look back at the moment I was converted and my repentance was a very singular thing. I need to be saved. But now after 25 years as I grow in Scripture, the repentance matures and deepens. But you err, young person, when you scrutinize your life to wonder whether or not you're saved and you're looking for repentance that can only be found in someone who's walked with God for for decades. I hope I'm making myself clear. I believe in repentance. But repentance can merely mean I'm falling and I can't save myself. 
It's turning from self-worth. It is turning from ability and giving up, as Brother Charles once told me. It's just giving up. I can't. I collapse. I'm, I'm gone. I have a thing that I've worked through several years ago on the doctrine of repentance. If you take everything the Bible teaches about repentance, you will have a very big book. Amazing things are said. And they all should be learned. We should grow into them. But to take the entire full orb biblical course of repentance and demand it before someone can have assurance of salvation is absolutely preposterous. We have a lot of young people and a lot of other people who are not assured of their salvation because they're expecting to see in their wee years as a babe in Christ a full-blown sanctification of a man 40 years in the faith. We need to be careful. Save me. I'm lost. And even a great deal of that clamoring for salvation, don't expect it or demand it to be absolutely pure. Some of it will just simply be self-preservation. Remember, God saves men who repent, not men who repent perfectly. God saves broken-hearted people over the... Even the ones who are broken-hearted over the fact that they're not broken-hearted enough. And even those who think they're broken-hearted enough when God knows they're not hardly broken-hearted at all. This will add fuel to the fire to my enemies, but in, in my conversion experience, to be honest with you, sin was not the foremost thing in my mind the day I was converted. The foremost thing in my mind was, He loves me. He's everywhere. He's everything. Now you say, okay, what are you saying? But, even though I was a heinous sinner, I was a horrible man, at that moment, the only, the only thing that was really real to me for several weeks was the love of God. But then as I began to study the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit began to work, He began to work repentance that He continues on till this day. So see, let, let, let's be careful here. You can define people out of the kingdom of God. You can demand so much of a man of salvation more than even what God demands at first. Uh, simply, I can't. I can't. And then faith. Faith. We are saved by faith. Of a mustard seed. Believe. Well, how do I believe? Alright, you've already just said you can't. Now, go one step further. He can't. And will. And desires to. Can you believe that? You say, is that it? No, it's the beginning. But it is real. Well, how will I know it's real? Because it will keep going. And growing. 
In the same way, your repentance will grow and grow and grow. Your faith in the reality of it will grow and grow. But I am not going to expect from my ten-month-old daughter what I expect from my six-and-a-half-year-old son. Also, I want to talk about the pride. You know I love the Puritans. You know that I love all that kind of stuff. I want to talk to you about a a root of pride I see springing up among people who embrace this kind of lovely truth. It's almost like a badge of spirituality when they will so-called struggle of whether or not they're saved. And what they're just trying to prove to people is my version of conversions not as superficial as everyone else's. I'm going to wrestle and I'm going to fight and I'm going to do all this stuff and I don't even know if I'm saved after that. And you think you're bringing glory to God. There is a sense when some men are awakened to their sin and they must break through and they must struggle and so on and so forth. I agree with all of that. But be very careful that we're not just reacting against the superficial gospel of others. God is glorified when a heart is open and they say, I'm falling, but He can. And they stand on that. Oh, it's so glorious. You are saved by faith. But it is not, it is not the quality of this faith, the greatness of this faith. It's the quality, the greatness, and the character of one to whom you, in whom you believe. Look unto Jesus. Look, look. Just look unto Jesus. What terrifies me so much? You talk to people on the streets. Are you going to heaven? Yes, I'm going to heaven. Why? I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my heart. Now, look what they're doing. They are trusting in a transaction they made. They are trusting in the sincerity of a prayer. But then again, we must be careful. Doctor, heal thyself. Because some are trusting in the magnitude of their repentance. And others are trusting in the magnitude of their faith. When what I love to hear is, I'm looking unto Him. I'm looking unto Him. And I would be terrified to take my eyes off of Him. I'm looking unto Jesus. Psalm 55, verses 1 through 23. For the choir director, a psalm of David. To be accompanied by stringed instruments. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and answer me. For I am overwhelmed by my troubles. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me hunting me down in their anger. My heart is in anguish. The terror of death overpowers me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me. I can't stop shaking. Oh, how I wish I had wings like a dove. Then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. How quickly I would escape, far away from this wild storm of hatred. Destroy them, Lord and confuse their speech. 
where I see violence and strife in the city. Its walls are patrolled day and night against invaders. But the real danger is wickedness within the city. Murder and robbery are everywhere there. Threats and cheating are rampant in the streets. It is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion and close friend. What good fellowship we enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Let death seize my enemies by surprise. Let the grave swallow them alive, for evil makes its home within them. But I will call on God, and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night, I plead aloud in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. He rescues me, and keeps me safe from the battle waged against me, even though many still oppose me. God, who is king forever, will hear me and will humble them. For my enemies refuse to change their ways. They do not fear God. As for this friend of mine, he betrayed me. He broke his promises. His words are as smooth as cream, but in his heart is war. His words are as soothing as lotion, but underneath are daggers. Give your burdens to the Lord, and He will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. But you, O God, will send the wicked down to the pit of destruction. Murderers and liars will die young, but I am trusting you to save me. Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5. Don't weary yourself trying to get rich. Why waste your time? For riches can disappear as though they had the wings of a bird.